Hi, I'm Nicole Dela Cruz. Hi, I'm Susan Baldwin. We are two design professionals from the children's wear industry. Welcome to our design intervention podcast. There are three main purposes for this podcast to help people just entering to navigate the, in the industry, to teach people who are currently in it to be more successful, and to inspire those who are looking for their second act to have the confidence to pivot and do what they love. Please join us each week where we will explore these topics and our experiences. We hope that you enjoy the journey with us. Please like, share, and subscribe to our Design Intervention Podcast so others can benefit. Purpose of this podcast is basically to pay tribute to the children's industry or the garment center where both of us have spent, for me, 23 years, Susan, uh, over 30 years. <laughs> yes. So many, many years. So I actually left almost two years ago. It's about a year and a half now. And the purpose of this podcast is really to just pay tribute. And we have met so many amazing mentors, designers, artists, friends, colleagues. I mean, these are my people from the industry for so many years. And as a way to pay it forward to the children's industry, we basically wanted to share some of the stories, the friendships of the people who mentored us and supported us, the people that impacted our career, what our lives have turned into, the journey, how we started, how we ended up, what we discovered along the way, just so that we can help those young students who are maybe graduating or the industry colleagues who are in the industry but are looking for what's next or getting bored or just feeling like they're just showing up. So that is pretty much what the purpose is and listen along as we share this journey. Um, I think it's really important to let everybody know and our listeners know that we are two designers from the children's wear market that really have a huge scope um, from the beginning to the end. Um, and actually, I'm continuing in it um, and where we started and what this whole industry has evolved into. Yes, it is quite an interesting industry. And if you're not <laughs> in it, you might not know. And some of the stories are just very yeah. amusing to, They're to amusing. put it nicely. Right. And I think that because it's children's wear, it's a very niche market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people ask, well, if you do children's wear, do you do women's? Do you do juniors? Do you do men's? And I think that when you come out of design school, as where Nicole did, and I'll share a little bit of my background of how I ended up in the industry. But I think that once you start in a um, a specific area in the fashion industry, that is where you are really coined into. So if you do children's wear, you do children's wear. You're not jumping to women's, you're not jumping to men's or juniors, um, and you really get um, sidetracked like into that specific niche. So the one thing I do want to add on to that is for me, I was so, and it's part of my issue, but I was so determined to feel valued and needed that I never, so there are many designers within the children's wear industry who only do newborn or only do Taba, only do four to six X. And I pretty much always from the beginning did boy, girl, and literally would do any size range that was asked of me. And the reason why I did this was because in my head, it made me more valuable to the company because they saw that I was someone that they could just give a project to and that I would figure out how to get it done. 
The only thing I have to add with doing that way is that it's so much more work because having to know the different trends and the different products of each specific area of the children's wear industry, it makes it that much harder. So I will just add that. You're seen as being valuable, but it's harder. (laughs) Totally understandable. I think that I've done uh, boy, girl, and different size ranges, but at specific periods of my career. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was little time when I did boy, girl, infant, newborn, toddler, uh, big girls. Uh, Nicole loves to do it all at once. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to be able to really just focus in on one thing, but I've also had the experience in that range of size range and gender um, in the children's wear market. But that I think is the thing. So if you're that person who just stays with one size range, I had my go-to people, like when I was at Children's Apparel, it was Juna for newborn. If I was doing newborn, I knew that I could go to her and say, what is the snap size or what do I need to know for this production? Because you don't, you can't know it all. It's just not possible. So if you're going to be that person that's going to make yourself available for every single size range, be prepared to not have any kind of ego, not act like you know everything and find that person who is the expert that you can go for boys. It was Dory for, or Irene, you know, I had go-to people that I went to that I asked the questions so that you make sure that you don't make the mistake and then look like, oh, well, she really can't do every size range. You know, I think that's easy to say, you know, uh, um, 30, you know, 20 plus years into the industry. I think that a lot of people that do start out as designers and creatives, ego is part of it. And I think that we all... Uh, tackle with that and really struggle with that and come to a point I feel that 30 years into it I had that retrospect to be able to put that aside and really focus in and separate the creative that I'm doing for a specific job and myself Mm -hmm. and I think it's really hard as a creative to separate that and I think only with experience and time and age you're able to have that. And I think part of this podcast is to really help people with that right. and to understand that and have that perspective. Right. Uh, we have a lot of perspective for that. But I think that we should, Nicole, really yes. just give a little background mm-hmm. um, since this is our first podcast yes. to explain to people who we are, how we started, just give a little intro to what we are each about and how we started in the industry. Okay. So for me, my background is I graduated from high school with the intention of going to FIT and studying fashion. And that was the plan. And there was no backup plan. Normally through life, I've had a plan B. In this case, I did not have a plan B. I just knew that this was what I was doing. I applied to one school. I got into FIT. I did the four years of getting a bachelor's degree. And I do have to say, because FIT, I believe, still has a two-year program, I do strongly recommend that anybody who is in it does just get the four-year degree, because the thing about having a bachelor's degree is because then you're able to pivot. If you only have an associate's degree, it's harder to switch into something else, but having that bachelor's degree is super important. That said, I went through the program, I got my bachelor's degree in FIT, 
in fashion design with a minor in pattern making. I was two classes short of having a pattern making degree just because <laughs> I thought that maybe I needed a backup and but I never went you into did have making. Did you have, you did have a backup so plan. That, yeah, that was the, <laughs> the backup now that I think of it. So then I started out interning in the children's industry, which again, very important part of what I did. My brother dated a lot of women. He dated several fashion designers. One of them was a lingerie designer who had a best friend that Marlene Triolo Deckers, who was one of my early mentors and she was in the children's industry. And I started out while in college, basically following her around from Mamie Brothers to Stepping Stones and different companies that she was at. And she really took me under her wing and taught me. And then, so I don't wanna go too long because obviously it's 23 years, but the thing that I think that made my career go super fast was when I graduated, the industry was changing from being hand drawing, using the, the Xerox machine to make your flats and your croquis. What and year did it, you graduate? So I graduated in 96. And okay. that pretty much was when the industry was changing to Illustrator, to Photoshop, to being done on the computer. The older designers had trouble and struggled with the transition and pivoting. I came in and was fortunate enough at one of those early jobs that I took to get training by Charlie Fassini, who we went to his house, he set us up, he taught us a course of Photoshop and Illustrator for the industry. And I went with two artists and that basically was able to, I was able to fast, go through really fast because of my computer skills. And then again, I went from company to company, jumped around. I don't wanna to talk too long, but that was pretty much how I started. Right. So you started when you graduated as an assistant designer, as Correct. an intern, and then as an assistant designer. And because of your computer skills, yes. it was able to jumpstart your career as a regular designer right. without it being the assistant. It took me pretty much, I interned for the last two years of college. And then I took my first job was at Stepping Stones for six months. From Stepping Stones, I went to Bentex as an assistant designer for 10 months. And then from there, so we're talking about basically a year and a half, I said that I was designing, but didn't have the final say and got a design job at Haddad. And that was, I was a full-fledged designer a year and a half out of college. Yeah, but I and think I that's had part to of figure yeah. it out because I had no idea what it's I was sink, doing. It, it is sink or swim, and I think that that was it's really what makes the difference between a designer and an associate designer or assistant. You have to have like a set on you. You have to have some chutzpah, as yes. I had said before, where you could just say, "I can do it." Um, I think that uh, my experience or my beginning was a, a little different. Um, I did go to FIT as well just the same as Nicole, except I went for general illustration. I graduated from high school and I went to art school. I, grad I applied to three art schools, got into FIT. I'm like, okay, here, this is where I'm going. <laughs> so I, I also got Did my associates. Dorm? No, I okay. lived in Queens. I commuted. Yeah, um, I commuted as well. Yeah, so I, I did that. Uh, I received my bachelor's degree, then went on to my... Um, I'm sorry, my associate's degree went on to my bachelor's degree. And then I graduated. I'm like, okay, uh, what am I going to do with an art degree? Uh, so because we were in the fashion industry, um, originally when we 
started looking for jobs, there was actually a job board. And again, I graduated in 1989, pre-computers, and a job board meant literally a bulletin board with index cards, with the company's names and contact. You'd write it down in your notebook, you'd go home, you'd get on your telephone, and you'd make the phone calls and get the interviews. So I did this process. I was able to, uh, I don't know, receive a few interviews um, and get a few, which we'll call it, a few uh, freelance gigs doing different art. I ended up at this company, which is now defunct Marco Apparel. I did boys wear, uh, boys wear uh, screen prints, art, and I was drawing the bodies. So I had a really good friend that I had graduated with. His name was Eric. Um, he's no longer with us, uh, but he said to me, and I'll always remember this, Susan, why are you the artist? Don't be the artist, be the designer. The designer makes more money. So again, I don't know if it was just me being naive or me being, you know, where I had said before some chutzpah. I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> so I started going on design interviews. A few people, again, rejection. They're like, you're not a designer. So I finally, after three or four years, went to, on an interview at Stepping Stones, the same place that you had started out. And Ginger was at the time the VP and I had an interview with her. She looked at my portfolio. She looked at my resume and she goes, you have no formal design uh, training. I said, oh, I design where I work now. So she said, okay, I'll, I'll give you a design position. You'll be the top designer. <laughs> she says this and I go, oh, I, okay, I'll, I'll try to be. And she looked at me and afterwards I realized when I started working, she wasn't meaning the top designer. She meant the top designer. <laughs> So, like so tops, I, like blouses, yeah, tops, like sweaters, tops. like tops. Not, not the top of the level. Like I, I it's didn't even a category. <laughs> you learn very quickly. And again, too, with Nicole, I quickly learned that they were offering for three people in, in that year that I was there training on Illustrator, on Photoshop. And I raised my hand and I said, I'll take the training. And again, this was earlier than Nicole. And I had the foresight to know that this was going to be the next level. I took the training. We were three out of everybody in the company that knew how to work the computer. And it really jump-started and catapulted me into the next design position because I had computer skills. And I ended up at Garen, uh, where I was for four or five years. And we can go in further towards our journey. But it really, it was about just saying, yeah, I can do it. Uh, I think that my training ended up after 30 years, I have full scope of design, uh, draping, of construction and all that because I really have industry experience. I visited many factories, uh, did a lot of a lot of on the job training. So the thing that I wanna point out from you speaking is that both of us, and this is key, continued to educate ourselves continued to at any opportunity for learning and growing took it and that is something that helps you along the way if you're constantly learning and growing and putting more underneath your belt of what your knowledge is that only is going to help you to move forward in the industry that is the one thing I have to say and the other thing I have to say is that because 
Many, and there's a difference. So I, for most of my career, stayed in the family owned, it's Syrian, the industry, but I stayed in the community, in the community. (laughs) So I stayed in the Syrian bubble. And the reason why was because I did have a little bit of interaction with corporate at a couple of companies. And for me, I felt more like a number. And because I'm the type of person that likes to not be told what to do and likes to just be left alone, the corporate structure didn't really work for my personality. Whereas the family owned companies, you kind of are able to just do your own thing. And as long as the work gets done, no one bothers you. And everyone pretty much leaves you alone. So because that's who I am, and I like to just be left alone, I tended to stay in that family owned Syrian community. And we'll get into what that because there's a whole situation with that. But also you were Mm -hmm. a producer, like we're producers. So when you produce, people leave you alone. Yes. Yes. Very true. (laughs) So I did. Yeah. I always pretty much stayed in the Syrian bubble. Yeah. I think that uh, we both have had that experience, Syrian and non-Syrian. I think it's a really important portion of that because the children's wear market is cornered by that. There are definitely a few companies, and I think they are growing exponentially currently with with that, where there are more companies that are outside that community, but there's still a very big core of them that really corner the market. You can, you know, leave, and, and I've done corporate, and I've done both. I think there's definitely vast differences between the two. I felt like a number also in Mm -hmm. the corporate and like companies. I didn't feel seen and I didn't feel as heard. So my part of my personality, which I am working on is I am passive and sometimes passive aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) So with that type of personality, I'm trying to be more assertive. But for me, because I wasn't super assertive as far as speaking out or asking for the promotion or asking for the raise, I expected that people were just going to recognize that I was working hard and they were just going to promote me and give me more money because I was working my ass off and I was going to get rewarded for it. But that's not exactly how it works. You need to speak up and you need to ask for things. And 45 years later, now I'm literally working on this every single day. So that was another reason why I tended to stay in the family owned companies because I am basically a brat and I could get away with things and stomp my feet a little bit. And yeah, it might not have been the best way, but I don't know. I think that works to a degree. I think that again, it was a brat. (laughs) Well, again, you know, it goes back to ego. It goes back to what we had talked about. And only now do we have perspective to hopefully help some people with that. Yeah, I think in the beginning, it is. But I also think as a designer, 20, 30 years ago, there was a different connotation. Yeah, it was a different industry. You You could fast forward much easier. But I also think that we were regarded a little higher. I think as a designer in today's day and age, we have, because of the technology and computer skills, our status as a designer isn't as elevated as it once no, was. It's not. It's and not. The more so, information that you share with, let's say, for example, your team members, 
see more that there's a level that people start thinking that they're at the same level because of the way that the industry is structured. A lot of companies used to have the assistant designer, the associate designer, the designer, then there was the merchandiser, maybe there was a design director. And what has happened in a lot of companies is the merchandising position has been eliminated. So a lot of times the designer becomes the merchandiser. Then the designer is the designer and the merchandiser and the design director becomes that person in between the owners and the designers. And because of the hierarchy and sometimes where that design director came from, maybe they were at that company for 20, 30 years and that's how come they're the design director it starts to become where the positions aren't as defined as to what the level of what would you say like status or so I think that we take on a lot more right so we take on a lot more where as a designer and again it goes back to Mm pre-technology where a designer was just you know picking fabrics and designing and now with all this technology we're on the computer and so we have access to a lot of things. I'm doing a lot more function 30 years later than when I first started out because you had other people doing other aspects. But because mm-hmm. of technology, you are required almost to do multiple aspects of a job. Right. And, and the other thing with being in family-run businesses is because there's a lot of people within the company who are not workers and who don't want to work. It's very easy to be that person to sit, to just do whatever has to get done. Because of that, you get recognized. Because of that, you learn more. And because there are so many people that just want to show up and do what they're responsible for and nothing more, if you are that person who is open and willing to do whatever needs to get done, you start to get more opportunities because you put yourself out there and people start to recognize you. You do and you don't. I think that, I think there's two aspects of that. You can, but then I also think- like what I Well, no, definitely. But I also think that also sometimes you get cornered into a box and no matter what you do, that is what you are known for. Um, And I think sometimes it's really hard, 30 years into it. Uh, And I also think it's really important to say that you can, in this industry, you can rise to a designer, to a head designer, to a design manager, to Mm -hmm. a design director, to a merchandiser, and then what? You lose your job, and then what? Mm -hmm. You go back down to what as a designer? 30 years later, I've experienced that. So I think that in this industry, I think... There's definitely farther and fewer position, higher positions in the creative. Um, and I think there's a lot more where I, where I ended up. You, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, the other thing too, is as the industry got smaller, those positions became less uh, beneficial. So for me, when I was design merchandiser at my last position, I did interview for that next level director, merchandiser over a team. And the offer was, so I was making six figures working four days a week from nine to five. And the offer was just like maybe $10,000 more to go and work five days a week and to travel and to have to work nights and late. And so you would have gotten the title, but financially or it didn't make sense. Right. And I think we can go further into 
that as, as we go on. Yeah. I think that yeah, we're kind of like sidetracking a little. <laughs> That's okay. But we tend to do that anyway. Nicole yes. and I can talk for hours about. Oh, let's talk about how certain... we met. Oh, I think that's really important. Okay. Okay. So Nicole and I are friends 20 plus years. We both ended up in Children's Apparel Network. I was there. Uh, and then Nicole came in. Oh, there's something I have to say. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Keep so going. I was, I had had my first child. I was a new mom. I was in this company and then Nicole came in and I don't know that we were friends right away. I think there was a little like, uh oh, where, why is she here and yeah. all of that. Um, but twenty plus years later, you know, we a year later, I had my second child and I left. Nicole stayed, but we remained in contact. And then in our last job, in the last job that Nicole had in the industry, and in my current job, we reconnected. Nicole and we'll go into that where Nicole really threw me at a lifeline and helped me out. Uh, but we've remained really personal friends. We started out as industry friends and remained personal friends throughout. And she, Nicole has been my support team and I'm hope that I'm, you know, the oh, same. 100%. And it, it's so important. It's so important to have that, whether it's in your career or in your personal life. So what were you yes. going to say about that? So, Cause I'm sure you have some perspective on this. <laughs> so, yes. So I, so from, I stayed at Haddad for three, three years. And the reason why I stayed at Haddad for three years was because I had jumped around early on every like six to 10 months, I was switching jobs. And I felt like this is going to start looking bad if I'm switching jobs so often. So I stayed at Haddad three years. I wound up getting fired from Haddad because I had a new merchandiser that came in. I was at the end of the three years and I literally said, which I don't recommend this to anyone, <laughs> is they just need to fire me already because I can't do this anymore. And guess what? <laughs> they fired you. I got fired. But be careful what you ask for, right? Exactly. <laughs> it wound up being a blessing because two days later, Ann Foreman got me the job. I interviewed with Mike Marinoff and got me the job at Children's Apparel. So then I collected two weeks of severance pay and I started working because of course, God forbid, I should take a break. So I started working at Children's Apparel, met Susan. And it was funny because I got paired up with Sam. Now me and Sam were two peas in a pod as far as like the amount of work. So I think Sam was that, the artist. Yeah, I think Sam you have to clarify that. Yeah, Sam was the artist who was the art director at Kids Headquarters and then came here and was working like three days a week. So the And that's thing where that, I came from. Yeah. Yes. So the thing that I, the first thing that I learned, and this was life-changing for my career and for my, my path and life was you were working four days a week. Irene was working four days a week. Sam was working three days a week. I never knew that that was an option. I thought you get a job, you work five days a week and it is what it is. I learned from you guys with your four day a week deal. Oh, I thought you went in at four days. You didn't? No. And they gave that to you? No, I got four days after I left with Isabella and came back. Oh, okay. So you were there five. So Sam was just to clarify the artist at Children's Apparel Network, but she and I had worked 
together at kids headquarters. She was the one who introduced me to children's apparel and she was working four days and she's like, Susan, go for four days. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Cause you know, I like to listen to everybody. I'm like, it sounded like a great idea. So yeah. I interviewed and I went in working four days because Sam had, was working less than five. Yeah. So it, it kind of was a trickle down effect. Yes. So that was something that was eye opening because I didn't know that that was a possibility. And I think that because I came in and again, I was that fake it till you make it designer. So because of that, I didn't know what was normal, basically. So me and Sam, because I was crazy, literally were doing 40 bodies a week with art. Now, they weren't all great. But the way that that looked to Marinoff, because we were the machine and mm -hmm. could crank it out, literally, we was what he said. Because you produced. We, pr we, we produced. are producers. Yes. Not so everybody be produces. Because of that, they don't see the value in 10 beautiful styles. They see the value in 40 okay styles that they could throw <laughs> out a third of or two thirds right. of but they had a huge they had a bigger yeah. presentation they exactly. were able to pick and choose what they wanted right so I think that that might have been a little bit of why <laughs> because I learned after Irene taught me there <laughs> that you never give them more she had a set amount if it was six bodies a day if she did 10 in one day and had a good day she only showed them six bodies <laughs> No That's matter great. what, I learned this from her, no matter what, because, and I've seen this with so many people in the industry, the rock stars always fall because you can't keep that up. So you have to pace yourself, even if you have a day, good day where you're designing and you're on fire and everything is just flowing, you need to save some of that for those days when you suck, because we all have those days. We all have those days. But again, too, I don't think they truly... As long as you produce, you produce, they don't really know the extent of what it takes to, to produce that or mm -hmm. the length of time. And I also too think that I was working four days, you were working four days, but we produced enough mm -hmm. for five. Mm -hmm. And that's well, why you we had were, to work harder yeah, to get worked the four a little days. Harder. Yes. You had to produce enough for five days because right. you had to show that it, it wasn't that the company wasn't losing anything by you not being there on Friday. Right. So you literally had to work up until the last second on Thursday, there was no coasting because you got that Friday off. Right. So I think that we've shared a lot of information <laughs> and it's a really interesting and a lot of information. The where... structure will get better. We promise. No. We'll and have I more think of a purpose. Right. And I think next week we can delve into more of your background, your journey and my journey. I think there's a lot of stories, a lot of things that have came about and where we're able to share with everybody here our realizations and what we learned so that people maybe don't have to go through half of what we went through in this right. industry. Because the thing also that I learned at the end of my journey in the children's wear industry is I felt like a lot of the associates and assistant designers are not getting that mentoring and no. that teaching that they need to have the confidence to move up the ranks. And if it doesn't happy, happen early on, that's where you see the associates and the designers stuck in this position for 10 years, 15 They years. can. I've had plenty of associates that were stuck in a position for mm -hmm. 10 years, mm -hmm. had no ability to move up, 
but they had no skill set to move up either. Mm -hmm. I think in, in the time that I was doing it, I had those opportunities. And I think it's important to, to recognize those opportunities, yeah, take those opportunities when you're and ready. utilize them and do it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I think that's really key. And Agreed. hopefully we can share some of those moments that we both had that catapulted us to the next yeah. level and how we then journeyed from company to company um, and how we were able to do that and become successful designers in a market that at sometimes can be very volatile. Right. It's, there's no security here. There right. isn't. So for you to have been able to stay in it for 20 plus years, I'm in it 30 plus years, uh, is, I feel is, like if you is a success last, in itself. <laughs> exactly. If you can last in the garment industry, you pretty much can set yourself up to last anywhere, anywhere. because you really can't take anything personally and just have to be a strong personality type to show up every day and basically get beat down. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there okay. are days that are bad. <laughs> but then there are a lot of good days and you forget about the bad days. There are. Yeah. We, you know, we've had some great travel, great Yeah, and we wouldn't have met had it not been. No, absolutely And you not. are like my lifeline these oh. days. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without you. We speak every day. My husband goes, oh, oh, it's Nicole again. <laughs> He'll walk out of the room because we go on and off on a tangent and yeah. we can talk for an hour or so. But I think it's really great. Um, yeah. And I feel really grateful. Today's actually so grateful. Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yes. And yeah. so it gives us a few days to just figure this whole podcast out. So just to everybody, um, uh, just for me, I'm just thankful and grateful for where so I am grateful. at and who I have surrounding me. So yeah. with that. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> learn to be grateful every single day and I heard yes. something I just want to end with this I heard something that I shared in my class that basically I showed a video of a woman who had her own business and she literally said start your day off smiling end your day smiling if I you feel that. scared smile if you feel sad if you feel happy smile literally just smile through the whole day and you'll just have a great day so well, it's, smile. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today on our yes. first, on we our hope first. hope you enjoyed it yeah. and follow along. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.